Thank you for tuning in again to the Rocky Brown Ministries podcast. I am Rocky Brown. All right, so we are on tonight, part four of Where is Jesus the Healer? And we've covered a lot of ground over these last three services. So, we'll just kind of review. We talked about, in part one, we really addressed, you know, that a lot of people in the church seem to think that, you know, that healing is, it's a spiritual healing, the healing of your spirit, and all this different stuff. So we had to clear all that out, cut out all the brush, and establish what's being healed. That, uh, we won't go too far in depth into into review, but the, all the messages are on the podcast, and it, the podcast is free, so you can find that on Rocky Brown Ministries. That's not a plug, that's just, if you want... This is a this is a, a lesson series. So each part builds on the previous part. So it's important that you're you know, for the ones that's jumping in here or missed a part here and there, go back and pick up those other messages and listen to them because there's a lot of stuff in there that'll help and it'll help establish where we're at at this point. So but we've talked about so in part one we just we established spiritual healing, what that what that how the church views that and then what the Bible actually says about it. Now, there's about 14 different means or methods in the scriptures to attain healing. And now that's important to understand. Because a lot of times people try to produce a production line result, right? So, your people at your church may be praying for someone one way and they someone's finally listening to the Spirit of God and they hit the vein right there and maybe two or three people get healed. Then they'll try to get the next hundred people healed and can't get nothing done. So we talked about, we're going to talk about that, about hindrances. And we have been covering that for the last couple, about hindrances to uh, healing. And there are hindrances to healing. You don't just get healed because God wants you to be healed any more than you get born again because God wants you to be born again. So it's important. You might even say it like this, is that really now that I think about it, it may be of greater importance to figure out and understand what the hindrances are than it is understanding means and methods in which to receive it. Because you may know all 14 of these methods, but if you've got blocks in there that are hindering you from being healed, you won't receive healing. See, it's that simple. And when we start looking at things, the common sense, everyday good old common sense will go a long way when it comes to Bible interpretation. But see, it's hard to interpret something that you really don't understand. And you really don't understand the scriptures if you don't understand God's position in the matter. Because if you don't understand God's position is the fact that He wants you to be healed and He wants you to be well, maybe you'll get it and maybe you won't. And so, see, we talked about how, you know, a lot of times the church kind of treats God answering prayers like, you know, he's Him and the Lord's got a big lottery machine up there, you know, and the balls are hopping in the machine, you know, and Gabriel pulled the ball out and who got it, you know? Oh, well, it's 57. Kenny Fox going to get his prayer answered today. <laughs> Right Now I'm going to make a statement here. I'm going to make two statements. One, and they're both going to be hard to accept, but we're going to prove it in the light of the Scriptures. Right? That's what we always want to do. 
we don't want to prove it in a lot of theological doctrines or who said what or mamma believed this or papa was a pastor for 147 years and he believed this and this and that, right? The spiritual measuring rod is God's word. Right? Because guess what? Pastors miss it and Bible teachers miss it and good Christian people miss it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to call to your attention right now. If I miss God, and something was to happen to me, and I go home before I'm supposed to. Don't you let anybody get at my funeral and lie and tell them that God took me out of here. You get right up there and you tell them, Rocky said that if he went out of this world prematurely to tell you that he missed it, and don't you dare blame God for this. That's what I expect. I expect you to do that. Don't get let anybody get up there and lie on the Lord and tell them that, you know, Jesus needed another angel brought on home, so he took Rocky home, you know. Don't let him lie on don't let him lie on the Lord, whatever you do. Play this part of the message and say, This is what he said himself. Right? Don't let someone else interpret for me what I need to interpret myself. Right? So, we're gonna talk about two statements. Now, number one, I heard Brother Hagin make this statement. And number two, this is something that the Lord said to me just a little while ago in prayer. Number one, when it comes to getting your prayer answered, if you study the scriptures on prayer and you study the word on how you're supposed to maintain your life, you will come to find out that your prayers getting answered depend more on you than to do on God. And that's a big statement. But your prayers getting answered is really more dependent upon you than it is on God. Now, how, how do we know that? Well, if we look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, I believe it is, the Lord says, Therefore know that the Lord your God is the faithful God, the covenant-keeping God, who keeps His covenant with His people for a thousand generations for those that love Him and keep His commandments. So see, here's the thing that we've got is we've got a lot of people that want to kind of live like the devil, but they want enough Jesus to get them to heaven. Right? So we make all of these different... We have, we have sliding moral compasses, right? That says, well, you know, what one thing one person does could make you flaming mad is not really necessarily as bad if someone that I love is doing it. See, so over here... You know, someone can do something that's make you mad, ready to beat them with a tire iron. And someone over here that, you, that this person you don't like, but this person you love, and they can do exactly the same thing, and you're willing to overlook it for this person, but you want to whoop this person with a tire iron for doing the exact same thing. See, it's what's called a sliding moral compass. It means we're being unjust, right? We're being unfair. So it's important to understand that all of these things affect... <clears throat> our life, right? Because we're called to be fair and we're called to be just. So if we are judging something unjustly, you're sowing into that. You're going to eventually reap that if you don't repent. It's going to happen, right? And that's tough sledding. We don't really want to hear that, but we need to hear sometimes, oftentimes we need to hear what we don't want to hear so we can correct and do what's right in the sight of the Lord. All right, so now let's prove that in a lot of scriptures. You got a Bible with you? Go to 1 John chapter 5, and I'm going to prove something to you in the light of the Bible. Now, the statement that I made was 
your prayer getting answered is more dependent on you than it is on the Lord. Now, what's that mean? Well, I'm going to show you. Because here's where a lot of people miss it. 1 John chapter 5. Now, I could quote this to you, but I'm going to read it right to you that way because I think oftentimes we've missed stuff by quoting it. Now, this is what the apostle, the Spirit of God through the Apostle John says. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So the number one thing that God the Father wants you to know is if you ask anything according to His will, number one, He wants you to know He's heard you. Now, look at the, if, it, if He just stopped there, we could be left in a little bit of doubt, couldn't we? But look what the very next verse says. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of Him. Alright, so then number one, what's the very first thing that I need to ascertain out of this situation? I need to know that what I'm praying about, whether it is or is not God's will for me. Number one. Because if I don't know whether it's His will or not, then I got trouble because I can't have confidence in Him. See, it says this is a confidence that we have in Him. Well, I can't put confidence in something that I don't know or I don't understand. See that? So maybe, so I don't even know if God's hearing me. How can I have confidence in that? So see, instead of walking into prayer and asking and confidently like we're supposed to, we see a lot of people on the ground begging and a pleading. Now I ask you this question. I don't know how many people here has got children, but I've got four. And I think I'm a good dad. I would never require my children to get down on their hands and knees and beg me for anything they needed. And Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven will he give good gifts to those that ask him? So this is, we need to understand who we're dealing with. We need to understand the character of who we're dealing with. We need to understand the heart of who we're dealing with. And then it's as simple as, hey, you know what, Father, I'd like to do this. Is this your will? There are certain things that you can always know is God's will. It's always God's will to provide for His children as long as they're doing what He's told them to do and they've not wandered off in sin. Now, they wander off in sin. Now, He can't keep blessing you. So you've got to stop that and turn right back and get right back on the road, right? Repent is translated from the Greek word matanoeo, and it means a changing of the mind that produces a changing of the actions. And repentance, which is the state of having corrected, is the, translated from the Greek word matanoa. So it, that's a repentance is walking in the state of having corrected yourself. Okay? So when you repent, you correct. You see that you're wrong. Mentally, you make the change. You don't even have to have tears or emotions or be upset. You can read it in the Word and say, well, there I am. I'm wrong. Now, I'm going to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. Now, when you correct and turn and go the right way, now you're walking in a state of repentance, right? It's always God's will for the lost to be saved. So you don't have to pray and say, Oh God, is it your will for this person to be born again? It's always His will. How do we know that? Well, we could, I, we could give a half a dozen scriptures right off the top of your head that would prove to you it's always God's will for 
someone to be born again. Now, it's always, if we study and look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus in pertaining to signs, wonders, and miracles, we cannot find one single instance where God refused healing to anybody. Not one time. Now, I understand that the church, through, through fouled theological doctrines, superimposes their thoughts on men. Hi, how are you? So they superimpose their beliefs, their personal beliefs on men that are not scriptural. Because men will tell you, well, God just picks and chooses who he heals. I say, we'll prove that in the light of the Gospels. Can you prove that to me in the light of the New Testament? And then they'll try to drag you back to the Old Testament. And they'll say, well, what about this and what about that? And I say, well, come on, let's go right on back over here. Remember, everything that happens in the Old Testament has to be run through and interpreted in the light of the New. For example, we are not making, we are not killing bulls and heifers and calves and goats and rams and all these different things as the, <laughs> for a covering for our sin, right? So you could try to go back there and say, well, I've messed up. Now I'm going to have to go find me a goat and, <laughs> you know, a few Ephesus, a flower, and, you know, and find me a Jewish rabbi and all this different stuff. See, that's what I'm saying is common sense goes a long way, <clears throat> right? People will say, you know, you'll tell people you need to be working for the Lord and serving the Lord, but you're trying to put me back under the law. No, knucklehead, I'm trying to get you to get off your rear end and do something for the kingdom of God. Well, that's law. That's works. Well, see, down here's where you can readily see people get confused because, see, they think, that when you're telling them that they need to be doing something for the kingdom of God, out serving and working, they automatically interpret it as, you're telling me I have to do this to be saved. No, that's not what we're telling you. Because your salvation is dependent upon, the only work that your salvation is dependent upon is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in His work, confessing Him as your Lord and Savior, right? So we're not talking about salvation being established by works. It cannot be. That's what happened in the Old Testament. When they messed up, they had to do something. They had to counteract. They had to sacrifice. They had to do this. They had to do that. They had to do all these different things. And yet, their sins were never remitted. It was always covered. So their sin was not removed. It was covered. See, the Old Testament, the Hebrews, had covering for sins. But the New Testament, with the blood of Jesus, is the remission of sin. Removal of sin, removal of the consequences of sin, removal of the effects of sin, removal of the stain of sin. See that? A little common sense goes a long way. But a lot of people are just lazy and they don't want to do nothing and they're going to look for any excuse that they possibly can to cop out and not do nothing. Or they'll try to fabricate excuses to keep on doing what they want to do that they know is not right. See that? And see then they open the door to the devil and the devil comes in and destroys them afflicts them, attacks their family, and then they start, then they get mad at God. Why'd you do this to me? Why'd you let this happen to me? He said, I didn't. I didn't do it to you, and I didn't let it happen to you. You did. So see, pertaining to prayer, your prayer being answered is far more dependent upon you than it is on God. Because number one, you need to make sure what you're asking. What are you asking for? What is your will in this situation for me. And people will say, well, what is the will of God for my life? Well, let's be a little more specific. 
as in, do you want me to move here? Do I need to go there? Do I need to marry this person? Is it a good idea for me to purchase? I'd like to have this car. Is it a good idea for me to purchase it from this particular car lot? See, there are all kinds of things. See, people are non-specific. And non-specific praying gets non-specific answers. See that? But a lot of people don't want to hear that and they don't want to they don't want to hear that. Because then that tells them immediately, you know what? I'm gonna to have to put some effort into this. I'm gonna to have to search the scriptures. I'm gonna to have to spend some time instead of scrolling Facebook, I'm gonna to have to spend some time praying. Oh my god, it's come to this. I'm gonna to have to spend I'm gonna put some effort into this. See that? That's how that's how we look at it though. And I'm not poking fun at anybody. I, most of you have heard me preach. I use me as an example, right? I like to get on Facebook and watch these old wrestling videos and stuff from the 80s. And I know I need to be praying. Huh? I mean, that's just the way it goes. Now, we've proved right there that really your prayer being answered is more dependent upon you than it is on God. Go to Romans. I want to make one more statement right there. I'm going to show you one more scripture. I'd like to concrete that in just a little better. Go to Romans chapter 8. I'll show you something here. Romans chapter 8. Now, this is, a, this is not necessarily a chapter pertaining to prayer, but I want you to see a specific statement here that, was going to, that is going to, if you'll let it, will really help you when it comes to interpreting the will of God and how, things, and how He does things. See, oftentimes we want God to do things our way instead of us going and doing things His way. All right, now, I'll show you something right here. Now go to verse 31. It says, what, shall we say, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, man, we love that. Boy, that'll get you shouting right there. And when, I mean, they just run around the room and shout and praise and jump and holler and all this different stuff. And they don't read no further and completely miss the, what's here, a more important statement. Now look at verse 32. Now listen very carefully right here. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now read this very next line right here. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So then you could phrase that like this. If God, now let's use particularly healing. Now, if God is willing to withhold healing from you to try to prove a point or a lesson or whatever else, then you learning that lesson is apparently more important to him than his only son. Because he said right there, if he, if he didn't withhold his only son from you for your salvation, for you to be born again, for you to be able to live in heaven forever with him, if he was not willing to withhold that from you, what will, what's it say next? How will he not also all freely, freely give us all things? Where people miss it is, they'll not, they'll refuse to recognize what's hindering them, or they'll refuse to go about receiving what God wants for them to have in the means in which he wants them to have it. People will challenge the justness of God and say, well, that's unfair. I say, well, won't you go down here to the local LNN credit union and tell them you'd like to borrow about $500,000 at zero interest and you're going to pay back about $10 a month? <clears throat> That's funny, isn't it? Huh? Why don't you just, I mean, 
I mean, if it's unjust for God to say, hey, look, I, I want you to do this and I want to give this to you, but you're going to have to, you know, you're either going to have to quit this or I need you to really do this or remove this block or this is how I want you to particularly to receive healing this time. Well, that's unfair. That ain't right. You're unjust. Well, won't you just go right down there to the credit union and tell them you'd like to have that and see what they say. When they get done laughing at you, if they don't call the police on you, you're still not leaving there with $500,000. I can guarantee it. See that? See, it's good old common sense right there. We'll go a long way. See, the answer or the response. See, we've been trained to run our miles, ain't we? Yeah. We have. We have. I've been brought up. I was brought up. Well, who you think you are? Well, I'll tell you, let me tell you something, you know, and you get the head of bobbing and, you know, and the blood's a pump. I'll just, well, I, I, let, let me tell you something right now. But see, the, and so we're, you know, it's funny because, like, you're almost taught to rebel against authority, right? But when the Lord tells you to do something, the answer should be, yes, sir. Kenny, I want you to go do this. Yes, sir. I want you to go here. How long do you want me to stay there, Lord? See, that's the answer. It ain't run your mouth. And that's where we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. They ain't no one here guiltier than I am. Huh? You ever, any, I don't want to show hands, but has the Lord ever commanded you, told you, hey, you need to forgive this person? Well, Lord, you don't know what they did to me. Now, you think about what a stupid statement that is right there. Don't you know, Lord, what they did to me? Certainly does. Well, I ain't never going to forgive them. Well, just carry on, keep on going in disobedience. See, there's a lot of people that are in that position right now and we talked about this last time. I think I showed you this in Mark chapter 11 that really unforgiveness is the biggest hindrance to the faith of the believer. Right? Hmm? Anybody like these shouting services? Boy, and people get happy and Jesus, you know, move, you know, Jesus said move your mountain and if you just believe and this and that and everything else. And oh yeah, boy, that's, I mean, boy, that'll get them preaching and the giving and the money will keep coming and everything else. Then you get guys like me and say, what about there? What about you can't unhook verse 25 there from the rest of the scripture? You know, and, you know, Jesus said, you know, Peter come up, Jesus cursed a fig tree, and, you know, he came up, and he said, Rabbi, the fig tree in which you've cursed is withered up from the roots. Jesus said, therefore, have faith in God, for verily, verily, truthfully, assuredly, I say to you, whosoever says this mountain be removed and be cast in sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things he says will come to, shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believe, and you'll receive it, and you'll have it. Boy, that'll get you shouting, praising, and have, oh, my God, they'll start dancing and everything. But the very next thing that he says is and. And and is a conjunction tying two statements together, which means the first part is dependent upon what's being said next. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Mmm. Ooh, boy, I mean, that just, I mean, just turn the spurs to you right there. Boy, I'm talking about you'll pop someone's balloon faster. Just, I mean, you're standing there crying like, someone's going to pop my balloon. Huh? Boy, I guess people matter in fire. I say, you got to forgive these people. You don't know what they did to me. No, I don't know what they did to you, but I sure know what we did to Jesus. See, we don't think about it like that, though, do we? 
Huh? Think about what your, the payment for your sin did to Jesus. For the forgiveness of your sins, for the remission of your sins, think about what they did to Jesus. He had to be separated from His Father. He was made sin. He had to go to hell. That's the truth. It's the truth. He became made sin. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be made sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He took in Himself the sin of the world. He took in Himself the punishment for the sin of the world. You think you're going to walk into heaven full of sin? He had to go somewhere. Now, Jesus was not a sinner. And just because the sin of the world was poured in Him didn't mean that He was responsible and guilty for that sin. That's why the Holy Spirit was able to raise Him from the dead. Seat Him at the right hand of God far above. I'll get, myself, I got, I'll get cranking out here in just a minute. I just... Woo! You see what I'm saying there? All right. Now, pertaining to healing, there are hindrances. And you've got to get those hindrances out of the way. And it's the truth. I'll tell you, I, one time, the Lord said to me, I'll never forget it. I was walking across the street, leaving work. At w, I was working at W. Bryant's. It was a fall evening. I was walking across the street to my truck. The Lord told me, he said, I've called you to teach people faith. I said, let's get it on. About a month later, I was laying in bed. And the Lord said to me, you can't teach people faith. You quit dipping snuff. I said, you've hit me with a low blow right here. Right? You can't teach people faith, how to walk in faith, till you quit dipping snuff. People say, oh, God wouldn't tell you that. Well, he certainly told me that. I tell you for certain he did. <laughs> because the fruit of what happened over the next few months, now see, that would have been, that would have been 2014. So, immediately, I started to quit trying to dip snuff, right? Well, I'm going to do this thing, and I'm tough, and I can handle this, and blah, 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 and everything else, you know, and you make it two or three days, and then something will come up, right? And, you know, you're stressed out, and all this different stuff, and everything else, you know. What do you got to do? Well, I mean, well, I'll just have one little old dip, and then here you go. Well, then one little old dip turns into a can, and next thing you know, here you are back messing in, you know. And so this is this big, big ordeal going on, and everything else, you know, and you're trying to quit. Well, this played out over a couple months, so I finally... I got the bright idea. I said, well, I can't quit. I can't quit dipping snow. So I'll just quit teaching people faith. Well, that worked out really well for me, by the way. <laughs> really well. Really. I mean, it was just, I mean, see, I'm not making fun of anybody. When I tell you I've had stupid ideas, I mean, I've had them. And, and tried to bring them to, and try to act them out, Right? So, here I am. So then the Lord, every time I turn around, the Lord said, I told you, you can't teach people faith. You quit dipping snuff. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do here, Lord, really, you know. So then, it was about December. I said, all right, I'll get a run at this now. I said, it's all right. I've got myself, got myself worked up psychologically. I've got myself worked up physically. We're going to do this thing. At about the two-week mark, my heart started missing a beat. And at about the three-week mark, my heart was stopping. 
People say, I don't believe that nicotine. I don't care what you believe. I was there. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you believe. I can tell you how concerning it is when you can feel all of the muscles around your heart tighten up and all of a sudden you can feel your heart stop beating. It's very concerning, especially when you're like, I think my heart just stopped beating. Then you check your pulse. My God, my heart is not beating. It's like, oh my God. It's like, you know, and then you're like, I tell you what, it don't take but about three or four seconds. You start getting lightheaded quick. You don't realize how important one part is till it ain't working right, boy. I tell you what. Huh? So I go to the doctor, right? I mean, I'm all over the place. Like, I mean, literally, like, I mean, like my, I mean, I could feel every muscle in my chest around my heart constrict. Just like that right there. And my, and my heart beat beating fine. The thump, the thump. And it just quit. I'm talking four and five second pauses. So I finally, I find this doctor, you know, I was like, man, this guy, Dr. Hubert Williams up here in London. I never forget it. I went up there to him, you know, and I was telling him, he said, okay, well, let's put you on a heart monitor and all this different stuff, you know. So they put me on a heart monitor and they got all these probes hooked to me, you know, and they put me on blood pressure medicine and beta blockers and all this bunch of junk. And it didn't do nothing, except make me tired, grouchy. Didn't do nothing. I went back at the end of that 30 days. He said, well, this monitor's never even sent in a report. You don't have a heart problem. I said, I'm telling you, my heart is not, is not beating right. Well, why wouldn't, then he's like, well, why wouldn't the monitor catch it? I'm like, I don't, what are you asking me for? I'm here to see you. I'm like, you got trouble, you know what I mean? It's like going to your mechanic, and your mechanic's like, well, I wonder why it's doing that. It's like, oh, my God, we got trouble here, you know? Well, I was sitting at his, I was sitting right there in his office. Boy, I, was, I mean, I was hot, boy. And he, you know, you're sitting there in one of them little old rooms. I was like, he's like, well, the monitor ain't reading it. We didn't even get a report on it. I said, it's doing it right now. He's like, let me see. And he puts his hand on there. Thump, 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 thump. He dropped my arm. He said, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I said, we got trouble here. He said, I'm going to have to send you over to some heart doctor. You know, so they send me over this. You know, they met, now they think things are serious, you know. I was like, I've been dealing with this for like two months, and now they're just now realizing, they're just now getting serious about this. I was like, well, this is great, you know. So they sent me over to this heart doctor over in Corbin. Like, okay, we're going to put you on this. I'll do all these tests and everything else. They did all these tests. Come back. Well, your heart's perfectly fine. <laughs> so I'll never forget it. This is a true story. I came back. I was standing there behind the sales counter at W.D. Bryant's, and my heart is going haywire. I mean literally haywire. Rick Dameron walked by, and he just hit me. I said, give me a dip. He said, I thought you quit. I said, shut up. Give me a dip. I don't need your crap right now. I got enough of my own to deal with right here, you know. I never forget it. I took me a big pinch of dip, throwed it in my cheek, and I'm telling you what, as the Lord lives, within two minutes, every bit of that went away. And I said, so now, this is like February or March, you know, heading into 2016. I said, but every time I turn around, I was like, the Lord said, can't teach faith to so tell people, you know, to you quit doing stuff. I was like, I, I, I really don't know what to do here, Lord. I'm like, I, I, like, 
you know, you're like, Lord, didn't you realize, you know, like my heart? Like I was talking to you about that. Remember all that time, you know, we were talking about that, you know? I'll never forget it. I really thought I was going to die. Like, I mean, I literally thought I am going to die. I am not going. I mean, like I was making preparations like for the kids and stuff. I was like, I mean, I ain't. I'm going to check out of here pretty soon. And I'll never forget it. I was in the front room of that house. We had at Highland Park. And it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was down on my knees a begging. Lord, I've got these kids. i got all this stuff to do. I, 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 need, to, I need healed. And I was basically like down on my knees, you know, just like with almost like my head on. I mean, and my heart was going nuts. And I heard him say, just like this right here, basically, he said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believing that you'll receive it and you'll have it. He said, what? He said, what if it was already done? He said, what if you just looked at it like it was already done? I'll never forget it. Then I started thinking. Every time I turned around, this one verse kept showing up, right? So this is February to June, first week of June. 2016, the Lord. When are you gonna get to teaching people faith? Now, now he ain't even he ain't even telling me. I know I gotta quit dipping snuff. He ain't even telling me. So finally, every time I turn around, I was listening to these messages, you know, and every this one particular verse kept coming up, you know, and it's kind of like every time I was like, man, that's really weird. Every time I turn around, so then you know you think, so I got aggravated with the Lord, <laughs> and I told the Lord, I said, all right, I said you want me to quit dipping, and I can't. I don't want to. There's nothing. I don't want to quit dipping. I like the way it smells. I like the way it tastes. I like the way. I, I, I just gave him the whole story. I said, I don't want to quit. Now, but you've told me I can't teach faith anymore until I quit dipping snuff. And so I was aggravated and I said, all right. I said, when John Lake was in Africa and he's over there dealing with all them witch doctors and everything else and, all the, and him scared to death, them witch doctors and everything else, I said, you gave him a scripture that gave him a revelation of faith. First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he, he that's in you than he that's in the world. I said, and I took him over and I reminded him of Smith Wigglesworth. And I said, you took Wigglesworth and I said, you gave him that scripture where you told J. Iris, don't be afraid, only believe, you know, Wigglesworth raised 23 people from the dead. He'd run back and forth on the stage for 15 and 20 minutes at a time, shouting nothing but only believe. Only believe. That's all he'd do. And then, I mean, just some of the most miraculous moves of God came through his ministry. I said, you gave Wigglesworth that. I said, you gave Brother Hagin, uh, the woman with the, issue of, with the issue of blood. You said, you told him her faith made her whole and your faith will make you whole. I said, now I, I said, you want me to quit? You're going to have to give me some kind of scripture that gives me some kind of revelation here or something I can stand on that's real. You know what he did? He called back that same scripture that I'd heard probably a hundred times in messages, Colossians 1.13. For you have been delivered from the power of darkness and placed into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. And it was just clear like that right there. He said, you're addicted to snuff. He said, you're submitting yourself to something that's lesser than what I've created you to be. Simple as that. Addiction is not healthy for your body. We can candy coat it. We can look at it any way we want to. But addiction is not healthy for your body. So that would be considered in the realm of the power of darkness. But when you were born again, God took you and removed you out from underneath the authority of darkness. That's Greek word exousia. would really be better translated authority. He removed you out from underneath the authority of Satan and his kingdom and the power of darkness and placed you into the kingdom of the son of his love. 
So oftentimes, if you hear me relate it to people like this, do you submit to Russia's rule and law when you're living in the United States? Certainly you don't. If Russians came over here trying to tell you how to live, you're gonna live, you're gonna live according to Russian law, you'd say, get out of here, Jack, this is America. I live, we don't listen to you, huh? But if you choose to submit yourself to the power of darkness, then you have to, then you, until you rise up in your authority, you will be chained by that that you're submitting yourself to. And it's that simple. See, that's one of the things a lot of people are hindered and they don't even realize it. They're submitting their life, a portion of their life, to the kingdom of Satan. And then they wonder why they can't break free. Well, so I took that scripture. I said, all right. Let's do this thing. And I was doing pretty good for about the first 24 hours. And then I started getting sick. Like, and then, right? So, I mean, like, you know, here I am. You know, so now, not only am I fighting, like, because, you know, if you went through tobacco withdrawals or whatever else, you know, sometimes it'll make you physically sick to your stomach, like make you want to puke. Right? So now I'm battling that. And I'm battling this whole heart thing, and I'm trying to work and everything else. I'm walking down there. Every time it would hit me, I'd go down there to the bathroom at Bryant's, or I'd walk out behind the building, and I'd quote Colossians 1 and 13 to myself. Out loud, you have delivered me from the power of darkness. You have placed me in the kingdom of the Son of your love. That's where I'm living. And I would sit there, and I'd pray, and I'd stand on that until it passed. And I'd go back in, and I'd go back to work. And, I'd get, and for three weeks solid, I did that. And you know what? At the end of that fourth week, those heart issues left, that addiction left, and from that day to this, it just never had power over me again. It'd try to come back. It'd try to come back. You say, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you get out of here, devil, and you take your crap with you. I don't take nothing from you, right? But see, it's, if you don't stand in that, see, too many people, that's a hindrance. They don't understand that they've been delivered from that power, so they just keep submitting to it, right? So it's a hindrance. Can you see that? That's tough sled. It's a, that's hard to understand. But so to think about this. That one thing that I was refusing to do was hindering me from everything else that the Lord had called me to do. So I was in disobedience. And that's a huge hindrance. But I'm going to show you something else that will lock you up tighter then Dick's hat band too is unbelief. Go to Mark chapter 6 and I'll show you this. Unbelief and refusal to repent and believe the word of God is a serious hindrance to the believer. What we mean. We have people out there, I minister and talk to different people, talk on the topic of healing, talk on all these different topics. I don't believe that. I say, well, the Bible says this. I don't believe that. Well, you know, the, don't stop there. Just keep reading. You know, I, I don't care. I don't believe that. Okay, so you're refusing. You're not re arguing with me. You're arguing with the Word. You're not refusing to believe me. You're refusing to believe the Word. Well, a refusal to believe the Word actually stops the miracle-working power of God. People don't like to hear that. But I'll call to your attention. If you refuse to believe on Jesus in your heart, 
and you refuse to confess him as Lord, where are you going when you step out of the body? You're going to a place called hell. No matter how much God loves you, no matter how much God wants you to repent, no matter how much God wants to help you, no matter how much God wants to save you, if you continuously rebel all the days of your life and refuse to believe on Jesus in your heart and confess Him with your mouth, the moment that you step out of your body, you got bad trouble. So unbelief will stop the greatest demonstration of God's power, which is raising the dead, spiritual dead, to making them alive together with Christ. So if it will stop that, how will it not stop healing? How will it not stop provision? Look here, Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And, with, and what wisdom is this with which is given to him? That such mighty works are performed by his hands! Exclamation point. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joses, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? Look, now it says, so they were offended at him. So they, so they refused to hear the word and refused to believe the works that they saw because they were offended at him. They saw it and they heard it, but they refused to believe it because they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, what's what it's, now look what verse 5 says right here. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about in the, in the villages in a circuit teaching. Look at that third word right there in that verse 5. Could. C-O-U-D. Not would. Would not would say, I got mad at these people and I refused to do anything for them. Could not means there was no possible way for him to do it. He was restricted. The miracle working power of God was restricted because of their attitude and their unbelief. Because they refused to receive the word and they refused to believe the works. If it worked that way in the ministry of Jesus with the, with the Lord Jesus himself on the earth who was given the Spirit without measure, how does it not work exactly the same way today? Because you can search the Scriptures and you, won't find a or you will not find one Scripture in the New Testament that contradicts that. It's all about what you believe. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please God, for all those that come to Him must believe that He is, comma, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Let's keep going. Go to Luke chapter 5. I'll show you something here. Starting at verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Now watch right here. And the power of God, or a power of the Lord, was present to heal them. Them. Who? Who's the them that this scripture is referring to? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who came to hear him. If it was only there for one person, and you're going to see here in just a minute, only one person in this group got healed. But if it was only there for one person, it would have just referred to a singular tense person. 
Them is a plural tense word, meaning two or more. Well, who's the them that they're talking about? He's talking about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now let's keep reading. I'm going to show you where we'll break down that word healed right, or to heal right there. Then behold, men, who, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Now watch right here. When he saw whose faith? Theirs. When he saw their faith, he said to, the, to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, now see, he's had a word of wisdom right here, or word of knowledge. He answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your, reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose up, he rose up before them, took up what he'd been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. You'll notice he didn't come in glorifying God for the sickness that he had, did he? He did certainly did not. I don't see any New Testament scripture of anybody glorifying God for the sickness that they've got. I never see God get any glory for the sickness. But if I look at a, the ministry of the Lord Jesus, I see tons of glory going to God for the healings and miracles and signs and wonders. So if you could just say it like this, sick, bad, healing, good. <laughs> huh? Lack, bad, provision, good. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to break this thing down. Right? And they were all amazed and glorified God. Now, now... Not only the man is glorifying God for being healed, but all the people that are there, except the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The people that should have been right there, the happiest about it, are mad, want to kill him. We have seen strange things today is what they said. Now, go back to verse 17. I'll show you something here. The power of the Lord was present there to heal them, referring to the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Healed here, or healed is translated from the Greek word eaomai, which means to make whole, restore to health, to forgive sins, or it can even in some certain text apply to salvation. Now salvation wasn't available here. Why? Jesus' blood hadn't been shed and he hadn't took it to the cross. He hadn't went to the cross and hadn't took it into the temple in heaven and all that. So that so you can scratch that particular off the list right here for this. Right? We can scratch salvation here. But now, I'll call to your attention that this eaomai means forgiveness of sins and to be restored to health. And that man got both. Didn't he? Didn't he? He got his sins forgiven and he got healed. Didn't he? To the point that he came up and took that bed and went with him. And then what happened? He didn't come in sick through that roof and people glorifying God. Oh God, thank you Jesus. He's so, this guy's so sick. Thank you, Lord, this man's so sick. No, he didn't. What happened? When he came up off that mat, though, bless God, the party broke out, didn't it? People, all the other people there said, started praising God and worshiping God and saying, we've seen, we've seen glorifying God, saying we've seen strange things today. See that? That'd get Jesus kicked out of most churches today. They, <laughs> they people out there right now that look Jesus in the eye after and standing in a church and tell them that it wasn't God's will for him to do that. Bless their darling hearts and stupid heads. 
That's the truth. Now, I'll show you one more thing. I want you to go to James chapter 1. We're going to talk about another hindrance right here. James chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 5. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally to all and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Well, people say, well, he, they didn't mention a thing in the world about healing here. He's, he, he's talking about wisdom. He did start out talking about wisdom, but now I'm going to call to your attention right there that don't verse 7 right there say, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything Anything, anything, anything from the Lord? Wouldn't healing be in the group of anything right there? See, he didn't just limit it to wisdom right there, did he? He started out talking about wisdom. He said, if you lack wisdom, come to God and ask Him and He'll give it to you. But don't ask doubting. Because he says, for the one who doubts, let that person not believe that they'll receive anything. And then some of the ladies right there might say, well, he just said man right there, so that don't include us. Well, that's, a mis that's really an improper translation right there that should be any person. Often. There you go. What are you, which one are you reading, Kim? NIV. NIV, yeah. So there you go. See that Greek word right there? I could look that up, but I'm going to just wager a guess and tell you here that that's probably the Greek word aldice, which means man, woman, child, or thing be the same word probably that Jesus used in John chapter 14, 6 when he said, No man come to the Father except through me. So see right there, it's got we it's, it's an all encompassing term right there. And then and then anything is also an all encompassing term as well, isn't it? He started out talking about wisdom, but you could readily see right there that he's talking about healing, he's talking about provision, he's talking about protection, he's talking about wisdom, he's talking about anything that you come to God need, if you come to him asking and you doubt him, what's he say? You don't even suspect that you're going to receive anything from the Lord. You might even say it like this. It's an offense to Him for you to go talk to Him and doubt Him. It's an offense to His nature. See, that's why it's important. See, people want to pray, pray, pray. Oh, Lord, pray about this. Oh, Lord, let's pray about that. Let's get the Word on the matter first. See, oftentimes, you'll, I'll call to your attention, 99% of the time, Probably 99.9% .9 of the time when someone needs prayer, it's not an emergency life or death situation. So you don't always have to stop at everything that you're doing and pray right then. So you don't even know what you're talking about. So see, oftentimes what we need to do is we need to go in there, refresh ourselves in the prayer scriptures, refresh ourselves in the Word, start remembering the fact that the Lord our God is a faithful God, See, every conversation should start out with, Lord, you're faithful. You ain't never failed me, Lord, when I listen to you. I, the Lord ain't never failed anybody that's listened to him. Never. But I'll tell you what ticks me off. Is people will be messed up in their thinking, messed up in their teaching, messed up in their believing, and miss God and then blame Him. Instead of 
simply saying, you know what? I believe I just missed it right there. Or here's one of my favorite ones. Well, you know, that doesn't apply anymore. You know, healing doesn't, you know, healing went out when the last apostle died. That's interesting. You know, I got a daughter to be 14, July the 29th, that he raised from the dead. Got a nine-year-old little girl that'll be 10 in October that's almost perfectly well that was bound horribly by the devil. Got a little boy, be seven, eight, 22nd day of October that the devil tried to kill the night he was born. Killed him and his mom. Tried to kill him and his mom. They both still here and well. You know, interestingly enough, uh, I saw a man who'd had his 10th brain surgery and medical science couldn't do anything else to help him, but the power of God fell so strong one night in a Cracker Barrel parking lot that so totally delivered him that from that day to this, almost five years later, he's perfectly well and perfectly whole. Oddly enough, I saw a man that had cancer come up on his jaw as big as a softball, and the Lord moved, you know, moved upon him. He went through that surgery perfectly well and came out, and you know what he does? He goes up and down the street now testifying about how God healed him and what the great things the Lord's done for him. Oddly enough, you know, healing. Someone didn't let the Holy Spirit know that the healing went out when the last apostle died. That poor Holy Spirit all the time missing it, ain't he? Bless his darling heart. Someone he didn't get the memo that healing went out when the last apostle died. The poor Holy Spirit didn't get the message that the gifts of the Spirit don't work anymore. You know, he's the one that handles the gifts of the Spirit, but, you know, he's down here outside the will of God just dis distributing the will, or the gifts to people. People, they, people think that way, though. And I'll say to them, I'll say, why do you believe what you say you believe? Well, you know, brother such and such or this and that. I said, what's the Bible say about it? And then you really get mad. You know, far be it for us to bring the Bible into the situation here. You know, I tell people, they say, well, I don't believe, you know, in the gifts of healing. I'm sorry. That's going to be tough sledding for you when you need it. I don't believe in working the miracles. It's going to, be, <laughs> going to be a bad day for you when you need it. I don't believe in that faith business and all this and that. <laughs> Well, I hate to tell you this. You don't believe in all that faith business. You ain't born again. You got bad. You in worse trouble than the people over here that don't believe in working the miracles and gifts of healing. You got worse trouble. You got bad trouble. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't even know about that. He wasn't supposed to heal that poor little old boy over here, Scotty Jones, that had a part. Rupture and bust the globulus or global or whatever it was, part of his eyeball. Split his eyeball completely in two. And him sitting there with a big patch on his eye about to lose his eyeball. You know, the doctor told him that 3% of the people in the world that sustain that type of, in the world, that sustain this type of injury get to keep a dead eye in their head. A dead eye. You know, don't work. He said everybody else, they have to have a glass eye or they go around with a patch. Isn't it a shame, though, that the Holy Spirit missed it and told me, go tell, you know, make arrangements, call him, meet him, go lay hands on him and pray for him and tell him that what happened to him ain't because I'm mad at him and that I'm going to heal him. And you know, now I didn't get this part of the story till about two weeks ago, really. <clears throat> but I met him and his wife down here at IGA. Now, this has been about three years ago now. I met him down here. And him sitting there with a big old, just, I mean, they just got him out of the hospital. You know, big old patch over his eye, about the size of your hand, you know. 
I said, Scotty, the very first thing the Lord will me to tell you, he ain't mad at you. And what's happened to you is not because he's mad at you. So don't let anybody lie to you. See, sometimes you got to get there and get good teaching in someone before some dear old Christians come by and get bad and get bad teaching in them, wrong teaching in them. You know, some people tell them, you know, well, you know, God did that to you to teach you a lesson, morons. But anyway, so I took some scriptures and began to teach him. Stayed there with him about thirty minutes. And I laid my hands on him. I said, now, Scotty, I'm going to put my hand on the patch, and I'm going to lay hands on you, and I believe the Lord's going to heal you. Now, I didn't know until the other day this last part of the story. But anyway, from that day to this, he's got 20-20 vision in that eye. 20-20 vision in that eye. Now, he's had to have some surgeries and this and that and everything else, but we started this journey at 3% of the people in the world get to keep a dead eye in their head. There is no hope for this. There is no, you know. But he said, now he told me that night. Now he just told me this about two weeks ago. He said, you know, they something I ain't never told you about this. He goes up and down the street testifying, telling people about how the Lord healed him. You know, and he see, you know, so I went in there and I was in there for something, you know, getting something worked on, whatever else. And he said, man, he said, you know, he said, uh, he said, man, I thank God for you every day. I said, you don't need to thank God for me. I didn't do nothing. I, said, I just listened to what the Lord had to say and just did it, you know. I said, you thank the Lord for him. Don't thank the Lord for me, you know. And uh, he said, yeah, he said, I was in there talking to my surgeon, you know, and he was talking about what a miracle this is and everything else, you know. He said, they something I ain't told you that I, that I want you to know. I said, what is it? He said, when you, he said, the moment that you laid hands on my eye, he said, my eye began to pour the water. He said, and he said, and my eye poured water all night. He said, to the point my wife thought my eyeball had finished busting and was leaking out, it was leaking out in the patch. And he said, but he said, I just knew everything was okay. He said, I didn't go to the hospital. He said, I told her, no, we're not going. He said, it did that till up way up in the night. And he said, finally it quit. And he said, I knew. He said, I knew just sure as I, he said, I just knew I was going to be fine. Well, here he is. He's back to work, you know, and... And, you know, but the, unfortunately, the Holy Spirit did not know that, you know, healing went out. He, God don't heal people no more, you know. I mean, he's, 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 he's forgot that, you understand. Oh, or like the poor little old girl there. I, you've heard me tell this story, too. What I like, I, I'd like to give these examples because it helps build people's faith. You see what I'm saying? People will say, well, you're just bragging on me. No, I didn't. You ain't never heard me tell not one time in my life have you ever told me, you ever hear me say that it had the first thing in the world to do with me. The Lord tell me to do something, and I go do it. That's that simple. And if he don't tell me, I don't go. I don't go pray for everybody that I see sick. Unless I get a witness in my spirit, I don't go. I pray for them, but I don't go lay hands on them. Unless the Lord tell me to go lay hands on people, I don't do it. Why? Well, you're wrong going if you don't have a witness. Because what you're going to do is you're going to go there in disobedience and lay hands on someone and try to make the word work. Try to make the word work, and it ain't going to fail, and they're going to get sick, maybe even to the point of death and die, and then who's going to look bad? Not you. See that? It makes me so mad. I'm telling you what, I'd like to whip people with a tuba for when they go to telling stuff like that. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. And uh, I, I wonder why it was so important that I be here tonight. Yeah. 
2016, I had four-way bypass done. I had a heart attack. Oh, my gosh. And I had that uh, artery release yeah. in my legs. And it, I, it hurts to walk. Yeah. It really hurts bad. And um, I just wanted to, you know, and it's because of smoking. And I've been dealing with it. <laughs> it's all because of smoking. And, and I've been talking to the Lord about it and trying to quit. Yep. And um, I don't know I'm trying. Well, so I'm going to encourage you, get a scripture. Say, Lord, I need you to give me something I can stand on here. That's exactly what I did. And the most people's problem is they just really don't want to say, you know what, I really don't want to quit. I don't want to <laughs> I mean, and that's perfectly fine. See, when you, when you open that up right there, and I'll show you this, Mark chapter 9, the, the boy, the dad who has the demon-possessed child, he tells, the, he tells the Lord, he said, Lord, if you can do anything to help us, have compassion upon us and help us. And the Lord said, if you can believe, all things are possible to the one who believes. And the dad, this right here is one of the biggest secrets to faith right here. What, if you look at the very next scripture, that in the very next part of the scripture, the dad says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So don't buy these nonsense memes that tell people that fear and faith cannot coexist because they certainly can. You can have faith and still be afraid, right? I didn't hear it, though, till tonight that I've been praying for the Lord to heal my legs, but He's not going to heal my legs till I quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> well, so now you know to remove the hindrance. But don't stop there. Come back next week because we're going to start talking about ways to get you healed and how to walk in God's best. But I'll tell you about Cynthia Hamlin right there. You know, she was 23, 22 years old, and this would have been 2000. December 2017, Christmas week, she just got sick out of the blue. Had a baby in August, little Elsie did. Pretty little girl, you know, had a baby. She's getting sicker and sicker and sicker by the week. I mean, by the day. She was in the hospital the whole week of Christmas, from before Christmas all through the, all through the Christmas holiday. Well, I'm praying, praying. I'm not seeing any change. Here's, you, it, here's something, too. If you're praying about something and you're not seeing a change over a certain period, over a prolonged period of time, you need to stop and ask the Lord where you're missing it. Because you should always see results, right? Well, so I was sitting at my desk first day of January 2018. I was sitting at my desk looking out the window, praying. I said, Lord, I know it's not your will. For her to die at 23 years old, I know it's not. I know it's not your will for this baby to be an orphan, not have their mama. I mean, TJ not have his wife. I said, I know it ain't your will. People say, how can you prove that? Well, he created marriage and he created babies. And he said, if you honor your father and mother to be well with you and you live long upon the earth. So that tells you right there, he wants you to live long upon the earth, take care of your family, do what he wants you. See that? I said, Lord, ain't your will. He said, you go tell him this, this, and this. But the very first thing you do is you walk in and you tell him I'm a healer. I said, let's get it on. I text TJ. I said, man... Can I come pray for Cynthia? He said, you're going to have to hurry. They're sending a hospital. They're sending an ambulance from Lexington to come pick her up. The CDC couldn't tell what was wrong. I mean, some of the best hospitals in the UK had no idea what was wrong with her. I went walking in there, spent about 45 minutes with them and uh, teaching them, not just talking to them about the weather, teaching them. The Lord said, tell you this, this scripture. And then I just listened to what the Spirit of God had to say and I'd elaborate on that, whatever he said. And then the Lord said, say this scripture. And I'd listen to what the Spirit of God had to say and I'd elaborate on it after about 45 minutes. So you've got to get people build up in faith, right? After about 45 minutes, I laid hands on her. And I mean, I knew she got it. 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, knew she got it. And I opened my eyes, and the very, and I looked at TJ, and I said, "Man, I believe by this time tomorrow, y'all gonna be going home." Now they're waiting on an ambulance from Lexington. I mean, it was just coming out of my mouth before I even knowed what I was saying. I was like, and then I got done. I was like, "Man, I can't, I can't believe I just said that." I was like, "Oh my God," you know. So I was like, "But anyway, you know." They're like, "Well, we hope so." Well, I took about four or five steps and sat down on this little, this little like footstool thing. There's a knock on the door. Come in. Doctor comes in, looks at me. How you doing? Hi, how you doing? Yeah. Miss Hamlin, we've got some news. Would you like for us to have everybody step out of the room so she can, we can share it with you? And now here I am, this great titan of faith. I said, you know what? I'm gonna stay here all night if I got to get them build up in faith. I said, we're gonna get her healed, you know. I ain't, I'm refusing to let this go any further. You know what I mean? I'll stay here as long as it takes. Well, she said, no, just go ahead and tell us here. She said, well, and the doctor said, well, she said, he said, as you know, your white blood cell count was over 200. Well, at like 50, they start looking at cancers and rare diseases and all this different stuff. He said, but, he said, you know, about an hour ago, he said, I just had them rerun your blood work. And he said, your white blood cell count is not 200, it's 2. Well, less than 10 is perfectly normal. And I've maintained my composure, but I'm going to tell you what, on the inside, boy, I'm telling you what, I was a turning flips. And he said, we'd like to keep you for observation, you know. And you could go on to Lexington if you want to. And she said, no, no. She said, we'll just stay here and, you know. So, boy, I tell you what, I left London Hospital, and I bet you them people thought I was nuts. Boy, I mean, I, as soon as I got out of that elevator off that second floor where I didn't think them people that I just left their room could hear me, when I got to the first floor, boy, I come out shouting. I mean, shouting and dancing. Woo, baby. I'm telling you what, I mean, if it'd be, I'd have been doing backflips. I thought I wouldn't have ended up in that hospital. Well... So the very next day, now remember, I've told TJ this at like 2.50. This is like 2.45, 2.50. The very next day, and I've still got the text, he texts me at 2.54. He said, we're leaving, we're going home. So, I mean, you know, Brother Hagin always said the proof's in the eating of the pudding. So, I mean, there you have it. You know, and then just keep on telling you story after story. People that just got healed, have been healed. He, I mean, just one after the other, after the other, after the other. You know, but you always, so you got to handle each situation by each situation. You got to listen. What's the Spirit of God got to say right here? People say, well, I don't believe that. Well, do you believe that he told Jesus to spit on the mud and make clay and put it on someone's eyes? Do you believe that he's t he told Jesus to stick his fingers in some guy's ears and spit on his tongue? You think I'm radical. Some of you have heard me say this. I'm waiting for the day. <laughs> so I'm going to have to ask you to open your mouth here for just a second. And close your eyes. Because <laughs> this is fixing to go down right here, boy. <laughs> uh, can you see it now with Facebook? That guy, you know. He stuck his fingers in that person's ears and spit in their mouth. <laughs> Could you see that on Facebook? Boy, they'd have me burnt on the stake. Huh? But I'm telling you, if the Lord tells me to do it, it's going down. So, I hope that clears some stuff up. Next week, we're going to start talking about God's best and then different 
means and methods of receiving healing. So and then so we get you figure out what the hindrances are. Maybe there are no hindrances. Now you just got to figure out, you know, and we're going to prove to you scripturally different ways the Bible says to receive healing and be healed. I feel like we do a pretty good job about backing everything up that we present, even if it's seemingly well beyond maybe where you've been, backing it up with the scriptures, right? So that's what we want to keep on doing. And everything that we've got here going forward, we've got one little old thing, little old hindrance left to touch base, but that won't take but just a few minutes. We'll start out next week. So, okay? So come back, because next week, bring the sick.